Hey, and welcome to the Motherhood Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Lockwood. And if you ever look around your house and wonder where the heck did all this stuff come from and how am I ever going to get it out, you are in the right place. I'm a mom of five who decluttered her home back in 2013 when my family and I decided to move from Alaska to Florida with one suitcase each. And I do not recommend it. What I do recommend is learning how to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist which means learning to find the balance of what your family needs and wants without it being so much that it overwhelms you on a daily basis. So if that sounds good to you, you are going to love this podcast. Let's dive into the episode. If you have been trying to declutter your house, and not been as successful as you like, I am willing to bet that I can help you figure out exactly why. There are a lot of reasons that moms feel like they can't declutter, declutter, whether it's their kids or their spouse or the time or the energy or just simply not knowing what to do, where to take things, how to donate, right? How to do it mindfully, how to not be wasteful. Uh, Plus you're worried about like, what if I need it? You know, I wasted so much money on this. What if I need it again and I can't get it? There is so much that goes into decluttering as a mom. And I promise that if you have thought it or felt it, I have heard it before or experienced it myself. And that is exactly why I created this training called how to create your mom proof decluttering plan. And I've done a lot of decluttering checklists, challenges, courses, programs in the past, and they work. And this training really is the framework for every single thing that moms need to consider when it comes to decluttering their home. It's the plan. We're actually going to build your plan together. It's following through with your plan and it's including your family and even learning how to make this process as enjoyable as possible. Because most people feel like The task is daunting or just another thing on their to-do list, and I don't want it to feel like that for you. So this free training, how to create your mom-proof decluttering plan, you can go to motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY to get it, or you can just check the show notes of this episode and you will find it. Come get it. I know there is so much information about there. A lot of it is much the same. Five steps to declutter your house, you know? Here's the checklist to declutter this area of your house, but none of them really show you the full scope of what goes into doing this start to finish. And that's exactly what's in this training. So go check it out, motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY, or check the description of this episode to go get it today. Hey, welcome to this episode. I brought on my friend, Tori Henderson, who is a life coach for parents. And I specifically brought her on so that we could talk about your teens, your tweens or your teens, how we can connect with them and how we can get them on board with decluttering. So we do talk about motivating your teens to declutter, but we talk about just ways to connect with them in general. And I'm really excited about this episode because I feel like the Facebook generation, the Instagram generation, you know, us who are here, you are the majority of my listeners, we now have kids who are tweens and teens. And there's so many experts out there to talk about child development, parenting young children. And it's a little bit more of a challenge to find people who support parents in the tween and teen years. 
So that is who Tori is. I'm really excited for this episode. We talk about some scenarios that I've had with my tweens and teens and what I did well and what I can see in hindsight I could have done better. So we get to share a lot and I hope that this episode is helpful for you if you have tweens or teens. And if you don't have them yet, just know that I've got your back and you can come back to this podcast in a few years or several years to listen to it and get some support from Tori. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode. I am with my friend now, I would consider you a friend now, Tori, um, Tori Henderson, who hosts the Super Mom is Getting Tired podcast and life coach, how do you, parenting for, it's not, I'm getting my words mixed up, life coaching for parents. <laughs> yeah, so my web, yes. my website is lifecoachingforparents.com. <laughs> I'm like, parent life coaches, I know it goes in that, some order of that, but I'm excited to have Tori on today because we are going to talk about raising your teens, connecting with your teens and tweens. And I'm excited for this because, um, I don't know, I kind of feel like the demographic on social media has shifted a little bit. There's a lot of us who started on social media, had either no kids or babies, and now they're tweens and teens. And so it's really, I find it kind of challenging to find content to support us in raising our teens and tweens. So thanks for being here, Tori. You want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my pleasure. I'm so excited. So I have been, I was a classroom teacher before I became a life coach, worked with kids my whole life. Absolutely love them. I started off teaching sex education classes for nine to 12 year olds to take with their parents. And I still teach that today because it's just the absolute most fun I could have (laughs) is so the goal of those classes are to open up the lines of communication between parents and kids and um, yeah so that's kind of how I got started and then working in the classroom and then I started doing parent education when I became a mom I I would like to say I was an excellent mom before I became one because I felt like, oh, I know everything and I'm going to do everything perfectly. When I'm a mom, I, I will have this down pat. And then I became a mom and it was so much harder than I thought. And so I started just devouring parenting books like crazy. And I started just teaching people what I would read. I'd read it and I'd teach it. And what I learned is that the more parenting books I read, the more shitty I felt about myself. Like I just, I felt like I wasn't doing it right. I wasn't, there was a perfect way to parent and I wasn't measuring up. So the more I learned about this like excellent parenting, the, the more aware I became of all my failings. And so I found, discovered life coaching went through a couple life coach training programs and just was transformed. I was like, this is what I was missing. That piece of like learning how to be compassionate with yourself while you're learning and growing and trying so hard to be the best mom. That's where I came up with the title. Super mom is getting tired because it's not necessarily that moms think they're super. It's just that they try really, really hard to do everything right and to be there for their kids and do all these wonderful things. And it's exhausting to put so much effort in. And so I really like to work with moms who I say fall under the four P's, perfectionism, people pleasing, self-pressure and pushing through like I'm tired but I can't afford to be tired 
uh, that we're really good at kind of ignoring our own needs, our own emotions, and then just kind of giving everything we got to our kids. So that there's this real struggle between um, giving and receiving. So those are the people that I like to work with and what my podcast is geared towards. Yeah. Okay. So I have a question for you just based on that. And it's like, I can relate to wanting to learn more about like being a great parent and like reading these books that are like, oh, just do this or just do this or just responded this way. And um, it sounds to me like the missing piece probably for myself, but you and a lot of other moms too, is that we go to these books to learn what to do. And then it almost feels like just an added layer of pressure of Mm -hmm. things we have to do. And we're missing a key component, which is getting support for ourselves so that we can actually do that. Is that kind of what life coaching for parents does? Yeah. It really helps you tune into your own, what works for you, right? It's very individualized. When you read a book, you're reading what, what worked for somebody else. And you're, Sometimes you'll read a book and you're like, oh my gosh, I love her philosophy, but that's because it resonates with you and your soul and, and who you want to be. Right. And so we got to be careful about adopting other people's parenting philosophies because it just leaves you feeling like there's a one right way to do things and we're not doing it the right way. So that's the, the false belief there is that there's a right way to parent. And, but I do believe that there's a right way for you to parent, but the only way you know that is by how you feel on a daily basis. Just like you found out that you parent better when you have less clutter around you, right? That's not true for everybody. Other people, they might not notice a difference at all. And so they probably shouldn't, you know, spend a lot of time and effort trying to declutter if they're not going to get a big bang for their buck but for other people to realize that there's a huge connection between the amount of clutter around them and how they feel on the inside that that's so valuable for people to learn about themselves so it's so I would say life coaching is very individualized yeah yeah I like that and I, I tell people a lot too like if you're decluttering just to say that you decluttered or you're decluttering because people say it's a good thing to do. Like it's not a good enough reason to do it. It's not going to work for you. You're going to reclutter or you're going to, you're going to declutter the wrong things. And then you're going to get frustrated and be like, it didn't work for me. Cause you were just doing it because somebody else said you should not, it yeah. never works, especially not in parenting. <laughs> um, okay. So thank you for that introduction. So we kind of know what you do and I'm excited to talk to you um, for everybody listening, we kind of have a, an idea of the flow of this podcast and it's to start off by, uh, Tori sharing some ways that we can connect with our tweens and teens. Um, because my personal belief is that if once you have that, then doing these other things and having these other more difficult conversations or <laughs> experiences come up are a lot easier to handle. If you know how to connect with them or, you know, how to get back to connection with them. Um, and then we'll talk about some, some common frustrations. I don't know what else to call it that come up when you're raising teens. So challenges, challenges. <laughs> there we go. I'm like, what do we call this? Like annoying things that happen? Like, 
confusion, <laughs> uh, overwhelm, all of it. But yeah, challenges. That's that's exactly what it is. So, um, yeah, Tori, can you share with us just some simple everyday ways that we can connect with our tweens and teens, especially during busy times and school and sports and transitions and all of these things that we have going on. Right. Right. And well, just how, as I was talking about, like life coaching is very individualized. It's very tuned into, you know, you and your soul, your spirit, what do you need in order to feel like you're at your best? Raising teens is very similar. Like it's kind of like you go from becoming the mom and like, I'm the parent these are the rules. This is my house. This is how it goes. And it's kind of the authority figure in the house to then shifting when they become adolescents, we're just saying teens and tweens somewhere in that when puberty happens is you want to shift from being kind of this authority figure to being more of the coach. You know, you're like the child's life coach where you're kind of sitting side by side and saying, I'm here to help you support your goals. What do you want? You know, what, how can I help you achieve? And so much of that is when the parent becomes a life coach is we got to tune in to what is that kid's personality? Where are they at today? You know, what works for them? So a lot of the ways that moms try to connect is by doing the things that worked when the kids were little, you know, they get in the car after school and you're like, Hey, how was your day? Crickets. nothing you know (laughs) fine and it's like you know they've been away from us for six hours right like we like this is our time we're like I got the 15 minute drive home to feel a connection with you so let's make (laughs) it work for us you know (laughs) we want to get bang for my buck and yet if your kid gets in the car some kids will get in the car and just chat 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 and tell you every detail about their day and other kids will get in the car and they won't they'll be exhausted and they need to not think about their day they don't want to reflect they finally got out of school they need to just purge that energy and it's kind of like uh kids will are like little sponges and they soak up especially you're talking about like preteens. oh my god you soak up all the adolescent angst at middle school you soak up all the you know kids going through their all their cognitive dissonance you soak it all up like a sponge and then you get in the car and you got to start wringing it out and it takes a while to wring it out and sometimes that could show up as kind of treating mom rudely not wanting to divulge about your day some people do process that way but some kids don't and so we really want to pay attention to that individual kid and if they're not wanting to open up at the end of the day then you want to feel connected, then we've got to pay attention to what works for them. So some things that work are, I, I, I remember when my son was like an upper elementary, it's like fifth grade, I could tell he, you know, he was just stressed. And so every day before I picked him up from school, I would memorize a joke. Now I am a terrible joke teller. So this was like required major effort on my part. But just so that I had some levity for him to get in the car, to switch gears, to think about something else. I have a client who shows, uh, will have a like funny animal video queued up on her phone so that when her daughter gets in the car, she can show her this funny animal video just for the same kind of purpose of just distract her. Your day's over. Let's be light and kind of show them that like, I get where you are and that you're not at a point right now where you're going to give me love and attention and affection because you got to ring out everything you picked up all day. Mm -hmm. 
but then you can go home and I don't know if anybody else has noticed this, like with the younger kids, you do especially, but sometimes you pick them up from school and you bring them in the house and they, it's like they melt down. They're just, they're, it's not pleasant. It's crazy. But if you have a transition between school and home that can help them uh, not melt down it's not it's not as like stark of a contrast so some parents will pick their kids up from school and let them take them to a park where they run around and play and then they go home and it's like a totally different kid right or you can drop your kid off down the block and they can run home the rest of the way and you can like race them home in the car so they purge all that energy or they need to get home and they go on their bike right away or they, my son used to go on the trampoline every day after school that there's a transition that can be really helpful. And this can be as simple as come inside and sit at the table and have a snack. It could be, I remember we did that with my son, we uh, pick him up from daycare. He would come into the house and we would sit in the backyard and peel an orange. <laughs> that was the activity, but he just, it's like going from structure to no structure is hard for a lot of us adults too. And so to have a transitional time can be really helpful. And so when your kid feels like you're connecting with them by tuning into their needs and what they want, then they're more likely to be able to connect with you, right? Because then, then you can be sitting around, you can be cooking there at the kitchen table, they're doing their homework, you could be paying bills, you're in the vicinity of when they might want to start talking. Uh, you know, sometimes it, the kids want to talk at night when it's bedtime, and that's hard for a lot of parents. <laughs> Yeah, that's my kids. They do that. Not only do they do it at night, like I'm like, okay, bedtime. And they're like, oh my gosh, they have a million things to say. But Sunday night is also like a hugely intense, like they just want to, and now that I'm thinking about it, it makes sense because they're also probably thinking like, well, I'm about to start my week, you know, whether they're conscious of it or not. Um, mm -hmm. So that was just a light bulb moment for me as I was like saying it out loud, but Sunday nights, man, they're like, I'm like winding down, you know, getting things ready for the week. And they're finding me wanting to talk about all these things, telling me all the things that they need. <laughs> it's so hard because at the nighttime is when we are at the end of our patience and our rope. And, you know, we just want our day to be over and just to get our alone time. But some kids like this that's just what happens. And, and it kind of helps them fall asleep if they can purge all their thoughts and feelings. And mm -hmm. so there is different ways that you could make it work for you. Uh, if that's <laughs> your situation and you want to feel connected, but, um, but yeah, so, you know, that's one thing with life coaching is we want to make sure that you're getting the connection that you want to feel with your kid, but without sacrificing yourself too much and what yeah. works for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to figure out now is like, I've noticed this pattern every night when it's bedtime. It's like when they come out, especially my 13 year old, <laughs> and she like crawls out of the cave and it's like all chatty. And I'm like, Oh great. Like she's, she's chatty. She's happy. Like she wants to be around me. And so like a big part of me is like, I don't want to push her away. Right. Let's but also why is it always this time of day? <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so it's just kind of like, you know, reconciling, like this is just how it is. And um, 
I want to tell you a big a mistake that a lot of parents make, and I hate to say mistake because of course there's no mistakes in parenting. Like it's all just a learning process, but it's something that just doesn't work the way we think it's going to work. Mm-hmm. So a very common thing that parents do to try to connect with their kids that doesn't work very well is we ask them how they're feeling. We connection is emotions, right? We 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 can spend quality time together, but a lot of times it's what makes us feel connected quickly is when we share our feelings. And when kids are little, their feelings are written over every, (laughs) their their feelings are all over the house, right? There's a lot of times you you can't not, you can't help but notice how they're feeling. But as they go into those adolescent years, those feelings can kind of get buried inside. And so when moms want to feel connected, they're like, how does this feel? How are you feeling? And especially when the, when their kid is uh, not talking, right. They're kind of withdrawn is we go in when we want to connect emotionally. And so that doesn't work because kids don't know how they're feeling. They're not yet connected with that. And so they don't have the vocabulary. All they know is what you see on the outside. Either they're quiet and they don't feel like talking or they're huffy and, you know, they show, they, their feelings show through their behavior, right? So you know how they're feeling by how they're behaving. But then when they get to adolescence, sometimes they, they learn, they're socialized to curb that behavior, not necessarily express their emotions. So. Instead of asking your kids how they feel, you can guess. You can say, I have a hunch that you're disappointed at how the school year is going. I have a hunch that you're bummed out that your best friend didn't get in your classes or you didn't have friends in your classes. Um, I'm, I'm going to guess that you're excited about the field trip coming up this weekend so kids love to tell their parents that they're wrong teenagers especially right they have no problem saying no I'm not disappointed I'm not angry don't you tell me I'm I'm not they have no problem correcting you but it feels really good to have somebody try to guess and just by you saying like you feel frustrated and I'm like oh am I? Do I feel frustrated? Oh, I think I do. It just helps them like reflect on it. And whether it's right or wrong, it doesn't matter because somebody cares enough to tune into your emotions and help you identify what it is you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And if you can identify, if you can put a word on it, you're like, oh, I'm disappointed. Then you feel so much better. You're like, oh, I've been disappointed before. This isn't a big deal. But when you're feeling it, it feels like this volcano about to erupt, you know? And then when, as soon as you get a word, you get a name it, you can tame it. And so if we can, well, you can help your kids feel their emotions, understand their emotions, express their emotions, just by guessing the emotion that they're in. Yeah. That brings, I'm writing this down so I don't forget, but um, I think that helps them too, like, have language for how they're feeling. Um, that's one of the things that I've been learning a lot about lately is like when kids are little, they have like the big four, you know, like happy, mad, sad, happy, mad, scared, scared. Scared. Yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah. But you know, as we get older, they, I don't know if they get more complex or we just notice that they're more complex, 
but yeah, like being able to like give them ideas even that they'll, Mm -hmm. they'll start to understand of like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe I am feeling frustrated, even though I'm, you know, I'm happy to be back at school because I like being at school, but I'm frustrated because, you know, I didn't get the class that I wanted or I'm disappointed because, you know, people aren't in my class. So yeah, giving them that, I think those subtle ways to acknowledge what's actually going on with them is a really helpful skill. And yeah, for you as the mm-hmm. parent to practice, like noticing that and um, communicating that, I think making kind of a guessing game is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you're willing to be wrong, which is I, not a problem, <laughs> but you know, I think those big four are still legit that we just get more subtle nuances. So if you tell your 12 year old, well, you're scared to go to sleepaway camp. Yeah. He's like, I'm not scared, <laughs> you know, like, don't tell me I'm scared, but nervous is the same thing. Worried. Those are all just like minor versions of fear. Yeah. You know, so they might be more willing to admit that they're nervous versus yeah. scared. So it's about not knowing what to expect. <laughs> so yeah, you feel free to guess it, it, as a way to connect with them and, and help them out and, and with identifying their emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when it comes to like these challenges that we have with our tweens and teens, and um, I have one that I'm kind of in right now. It's a lot better this year than it was last year with my, she's now a teen. She's now she's 13, but when started this, she was like 11, 12. Um, And that's finding ways to motivate them into doing the things that like as parents, like we know ultimately is best for them. Yes. without forcing them or without creating a bigger issue. Can we talk a little bit about that? And <laughs> maybe for context, I can just share with you. Yeah. Give me an example of what you want okay. a motivator to do. Okay. So we moved, um, I'm going to give a little bit of a backstory. We moved to the Midwest right at the beginning of 2020 before COVID hit. And so she was 11. We had to move. We took her from her school. She had to start over. She had to meet new friends. She was the new girl in the middle of a school year. Like that's hard, especially at that age. Yeah. Um, And then COVID started happening like about a month later. And so schools moved to online, which made it really difficult for her to find friends and make friends. And people weren't wanting to get together because we're in a small town and they're like, we already have our friends. Like we don't really need to meet new people, especially under these. Oh yeah. There's a lot of people that were in that boat and it was awful. Yeah. So we noticed as parents that both of our, our older kids at the time were really struggling with, um, you know, just showing like symptoms of like depression, like Mm -hmm. apathy, depression, like disconnection, crying, um, feeling lonely, all of these things. And so we wanted to motivate them, right. into like getting out of their shell and like trying things like an art class that was open or going to the library or going to the park, even when circumstances, I know this is an extreme example because, but we've all lived through the last two years together. Um, but yeah, it was really difficult because they didn't want to do it. They didn't want to do any of it. Mm -hmm. They were extremely reluctant. They were very hesitant. Um, But as the parent, I knew that not, you know, not pushing them in the direction of doing something was only going to make those feelings worse. So, right. Right. Yeah. How do we navigate? So, yeah, I mean, it is. So what you're talking about here is that, and this is super common during COVID, you, you know, 
you shrink someone's comfort zone. Okay. And so you're that, you know, already like starting a new school, meeting new friends, that's outside their comfort zone. Right. So then COVID really shrunk it so that now my comfort zone is my bedroom and my family and anything outside of the house, even just being in a group, even going to the grocery store, it, you know, meeting new people, like you spend two years telling like your friends could kill you. And all of a sudden you're just like, okay, now go hang out with your friends. Like it's totally normal to be anxious, right? So we created some anxiety for a lot of kids have anxiety now of just being in a crowd of people, um, not wearing a mask suddenly is anxiety provoking, trying something new. It's all outside the comfort zone and therefore it's all anxiety provoking. So that's just one piece of that. The other, so then it's like, you know, how do you help your kid who's got anxiety? The other piece is uh, how, how to motivate them. Okay. Cause I would say those are two separate things because when you're dealing with anxiety and you as a parent want your kid to do something that you know is good for them and something that you feel really uh, convicted around. And so that's number one is you have to have conviction. Like if you're like, oh, there's this art class at the you know rec center that looks like fun. And they're like, no, I don't want to. And you're like, yeah. all right, no big deal. You know, saves me a hundred bucks or whatever. <laughs> then it's, you know, you can, it's hard. You have to have conviction. You have to believe that this is very important. And so if you don't have that conviction, then you can't relay that to them. Mm-hmm. But so if you decide that it's something that's really important that they must do, they must, you know, whether it's, let's say it's go to school. A lot of kids just develop anxiety around going to school. And you're like, no, this is important. Uh, We are going, you are going to go to school. Okay. And you've got that determination and that conviction. Then that's a separate thing than trying to get them to motivate. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, But with that, you want to use your calm leadership energy. So calm leadership energy is something that is accessible and available to all of us, but very few of us are taught how to use it. Uh, The best teacher I've seen that teaches people how to get people to obey you using energy is Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer. (laughs) He does a really good job. So he's the best parenting coach out there. And so calm leadership energy is a lot about body language. It's the nonverbal communication. And I had to learn this the hard way when I started teaching because I did a lot of substitute teach. Every parent should substitute teach before they become a mom because you learn so quickly what doesn't work. It's you just get it slapped in your face as disastrous teaching days. So I had many disasters happen because I didn't understand calm leadership energy. I was young and cute and naive and I was just like oh I love you guys you're so cute and I just got walked all over didn't matter if they were first graders or 11th graders they walked all over me and so I had to learn how to use this calm leadership energy without being mean because I that wasn't me you know I didn't know I could saw other teachers do it but they were so harsh and I just didn't know how to find that balance And so now this is something that I teach parents to do is how to get your kids to do what you want. And so 
I, I'm going to practice on you, Krista. Okay. So I'm going to ask you to do something that you don't really want to do. And um, I'm going to, I want you to tell me if you feel like doing it. Okay. So pay attention to the insides of your body. Don't be a people pleaser right now. Just notice how you feel. Do I feel like doing what Tori's asking me to do or do I not? Okay. okay this is fun. I have to tell you, I have a rebellious streak. So <laughs> let's do this. All right. So I'm going to show you. So the two different ways where parents try to get their kids to do what they want that don't tend to work. I call it one of them playing small and the other one playing big. So if I was playing small, I'd be like, Krista, I want you just to like, can you just like touch the top of your head, please? Like, I just want you to like, just put your hand up and just touch your head. And that way I'll know that you're listening to me. And like, that'd be so great. Like, do you mind? Was it was okay. Would you just like touch the top of your head, please? It's like super quick. You just take a second. Okay. So I would, I mean, I might do it, but I would be, I, I wouldn't be because I wanted to do it. Um, I think. Did you I, feel like doing it? No. I felt right. confused. <laughs> um, I felt, and confused. I noticed that yeah. you didn't touch the top of your head. Yeah, I mean, the people pleaser in me wanted to be like, okay, but I mean, I felt confused because I was like, why is she, why is she trying so hard to make me do this? It feels we, it feels uncomfortable for me. Um, right. I don't know if I can really articulate why, but it does feel kind of uncomfortable. Where I don't, maybe it's that I don't really take you seriously because it's like you're just trying to make me do something, and I don't really understand why. So what I was, so the energy was that is this playing small is I was, well, I'll tell you at the end, the differences. Mm -hmm. Okay. But all I want you to notice right now is that you didn't feel like it. You didn't no. do it. I, you probably got so annoyed by me. You just wanted me to shut up and just like go away. Right. It's really yeah. annoying to listen to that. Okay. So now I'm going to do playing big, okay. which is like what we do when we get really annoyed. <laughs> Usually parents, uh, when they're stressed, we err on the side. We either go like uh, overly permissive, like, oh, just do what you want. I can't even handle it. Or we go or overly authoritative. So this is kind of like overly authoritative, right? Okay. It's like, Krista, you need to touch your head right now. I need you to put your hand up and you need to touch your head right now. This is very important. You've got to do it. And I need it now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I just want to back away. Like, I want to be like, no, like if I, I might do it, but like my reaction is to be like, no, I don't want to. Like I'm kind of freaked out. Rebellious. <laughs> I triggered your rebellious streak. Okay. Yeah. So that's what it does. When somebody tells you what to do, it just triggered most of us. Yeah. Trigger is a rebellious streak. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's those are the two things that don't work. Yeah. So let's practice the one that does work. This calm leadership energy that gets kids are wired to follow a calm, confident leader. This, this is why when you walk into the classroom and the teacher says, okay, kids, and everyone just stops to what they're doing and listens. And you're like, how did she just do that? Or I can remember um, my friend and my husband were coaching my son's soccer team. And every time she yelled at the kids, it was like they were just talking to a brick wall. She couldn't like, she'd try to talk to them and they would just ignore everything. And then my husband would say two words, the exact same, you know, two words. And they were just like all in line. Okay. Yeah. So you guys, you can see this, you see, watch, watch teachers, watch coaches. You can see how this works. Okay. So calm leadership energy is 
balanced body posture. Now, I don't know why these things are important. Don't ask me. We're all just remember that we're animals. Okay. At our core, we are human animals. And so this works in the animal kingdom too, right? So it's balanced body posture, eye contact, um, no like uneven, no fidgeting, no crossing arms, nothing like that. The voice tone is important. So it can't be, when I was playing small, I was really high and hey, could you mind a bit? And I go up at the end, it's okay. Like, can you touch your head? And I would kind of go up. And then with the playing big, it's, you know, very deep and I'm kind of pointing my finger and kind of staring you down, okay? So balance posture, balance kind of deeper voice tone. Uh, eye contact, using very few words. This is where a lot of moms <laughs> go wrong. <laughs> okay. And then at the end, I'm going to hold my gaze and see if you, I want you to pay attention to how you feel and see if you want to touch your head. Okay. And if you do feel, if you can feel it on the inside, then I go ahead and touch your head. Okay. But don't touch your head if you don't feel like it okay because okay. that's that's my feedback because if you don't touch if you don't obey then I'm not in the right energy because this works right okay and it could be something could be off oh and the other thing I'm going to do is I'm going to imagine that you want to comply I'm going to imagine you touching your head and imagine that that's exactly what you want to do okay okay Krista it's time to touch your head I kind of like want to, but I also kind of like, <laughs> I'm like, but why? <laughs> but like, I can feel the way that you pull me in to where I'm like, I've, I think the feeling is trust where I'm like, she wouldn't be asking me to touch my head if it wasn't something that, you know, I needed to do or that was like good for me. I think the other two, I don't wow. feel, feel trustworthy. So I think that was it. And, and, and that's that leadership like I'm telling you that I'm the leader here and I'm confident that this is important yeah right that this is something that you want to do and it's good for you and I believing that mm -hmm. and and I'm imagining that is what you want to do too and so this is what we do when it's like you want your daughter to sign up for an art class is you got to first have conviction that it's really important. Right. Right. So let's say you got another kid in her class to sign up and you're like, no, this is going to be the, you need to build a friendship. She's signing up for this class too. We're going to carpool together. I've already arranged it. Then you would go to, you could have enough conviction probably to say, yeah, I've signed you up for this art class. You leave Tuesday at 11. Yeah. Samantha's mom is going to drive. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think for our situation, ultimately what we arrived at, but I can like, in hindsight, I can look back where I was, I was really unsettled because, you know, I'm like, I'm seeing my kids struggle and I'm wanting mm -hmm. to problem solve. And so I'm like <laughs> freaking out, you know, and coming to them, almost coming to them with solutions for things that I hadn't fully processed myself if that makes sense. It's like, I don't know if these art classes are going to work. I don't know if she's going to find friends. I don't know if, you know, I'm going to force her into something and then she's going to, it's going to make things worse. 
Um, and so I think, yeah, maybe I, there was a sense of urgency because it was like COVID and it was like, this is getting worse, but, um, right. And we get kind of desperate and we want them to just kind of like take the reins and be like, here, here's this. And, and we want them to be like, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But when you're asking them to go outside their comfort zone, you've got to have conviction, right? And conviction can come from, you know, you just feeling really strongly about it, but it could also come from like peer pressure you know, like everybody else is doing this too. And so that's giving you like, everybody wears a seatbelt. So when your kids are in the car, you're in your leadership energy because you're like, everyone wears a seatbelt. This is the law you're going to put your seatbelt on. Mm -hmm. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you take your seatbelt off, we're pulling over and we're going to wait. It doesn't have to be angry. It doesn't have to be authoritative or demanding. It just is what it is because you have conviction. Yeah. So that's the first thing. It's if you want to motivate your kid to do something is that you've got to find conviction. Yeah, and so which- I use this. Yeah. I use this all the time to get my kids to like empty the dishwasher, you know, or make clean their rooms because I'm like, you know, I, and you just can kind of go in and find like, why is this important to me again? And sometimes it might be, and sometimes it may not. Yeah. That's what I was going to, um, that's what this brought me back to is what we talked about when we first got on was like, there's not really like a one size fits all practice. And so if you're trying to do things that don't align with you or that you don't actually believe in, or just because, you know, you read it in a book somewhere, it's not going to work. And I like that you, you also mentioned that, like, what you just said it and it just left my mind. Um, Doing things. Oh yeah. You're like, why is this important to me? Right? Like, what am I, when I think about that, I'm trying to think of, you know, like, what am I trying to give my kids? Like, what am I trying to teach them? Is that a value that I have? Is that something that I really believe in? Or is this something that I should just let go? Sometimes I just have to let it go. And sometimes it is something that I really do feel is best for them. And I think that's where the conviction comes in. Is like, you might not, I, I, my belief is that kids are still kids. They don't have brains to always make these decisions on their own. And sometimes they do need to be, you know, nudged along. Like if it was up to my kids, they never would have, they never would have taken the art class. That was one of the things, art class was one of them. And I did end up setting her up. Cause I was like, well, we, you have to do something. I don't care what it is. And these are mm-hmm. the things coming up and you can choose which one, but you have to choose one of them. And if you don't right. want to choose, I'm more than happy to choose one for you. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. And you can feel, you can feel your conviction around that when you talk, like you've got to choose something, you know, you choose what yeah. it is, but yeah, I think we're all just like, we're wired to follow a calm, confident leader. We're also wired to seek pleasure and avoid pain right. and trying something new outside of our comfort zone that causes discomfort. And people yeah. are like, no, I'd rather stay here on my iPad and you know, binge watch Netflix <laughs> and eat sugar, you know, like right. we're all wired that way as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's really helpful. And then, yeah, I kind of letting go of my attachment to what I felt like they needed. Like, cause she's, I, I grew up loving sports and was like always in soccer or volleyball and she's just not into it. Like she's into art and that's what she's mm-hmm. into. And so I'm like, I used to think like, oh, she's got to do something to stay active, right? Like stay healthy, like physical health. And then I looked at it and it's like, no, she like, she does things like she eats well. She's got a healthy relationship with food. She likes going outside and playing. 
she does not like competition. Like she just does not like to compete. That is an excellent segue to what I wanted to talk about next, which is motivation. Yeah. That's brilliant. Because so when you're talking about like, how do I motivate my kid? Yeah. Okay. Right. So we're talking about one thing is sometimes you, you know, it's just up to us to say, find the conviction, say, this is what you're going to do because this is good for you. And I feel this is important. But the other thing is, how do I motivate? And the, my favorite way to motivate kids is by using what it's called their play personality. So there was this book called play written by Dr. Stuart Brown. And he says, there's like eight different play personalities. And one of them is a competitor. So people who love competition and what motivates a kid to, let's say you want them to clean their room is, or declutter, right? Is like, okay, kids, like who can find, you know, 20 things to throw away in the next 60 seconds, go. Right. And these competitive kids will be super motivated because you tapped into their play personality. Yeah. There's another play personality called the kinesthete. And this is where if I'm not moving, it's not play. So, you know, what, what feels like play is running and jumping and climbing and swimming and riding my bike and all of this like movement stuff. Right. And so as for somebody who loves soccer and volleyball, you were probably both a kinesthete and a competitor. And that was what felt like play for you. But then when we try to impose that on our kids and say like, you know, isn't this fun? Don't you enjoy this? But they're not a competitor. And they might be more of a creator. So a creator is someone who likes to come up with new ideas. They like to create. Now this can be through the arts. We kind of tend to think of it, but it could also be like just inventing something new. It doesn't even matter. It could be writing a a story, a poem. It could be cooking, you know, coming up with a new way to make a cupcake. Like it could be so many different things, but it's just this idea that they come up to life when it's their own idea and so some people love to you know invent and imagine and create things so if you want to motivate your kid let's say you want them to clean in your room then that maybe you would say like here's a piece of paper draw a picture of what you would like your room to look like in its most perfect setting you know or if you could rearrange the furniture or paint, change the paint colors, redesign, you know, and have them really get into it. And that's where you can get their motivation from. Mm-hmm. So for me, book? it's called play. It's called play. Okay. Yeah. Dr. Stuart Brown. Okay. And for me, it was great because I used to feel so guilty for not <laughs> being able to play with my kids. It's like, I would watch you know, my mother-in-law come over and she could play for hours with them, trains and Barbies and like imaginary stories, whatever. And I thought, I am just a terrible mother, of course, like my default of like, I'm not doing it right. If I was a good mom, I would be able to play with my kids and I couldn't do it. And this book made me feel so much less guilt and shame around this because I'm just not a storyteller. That's not my play personality. I love to explore. I want to take my kids and we'll go to a park and we'll go hiking and we'll go to the beach and we'll like go see the world. That's what feels like play for me. Mm 
right? Or I could play a board game that had rules or structure and do a puzzle, but the storytelling is just not my play personality. And so recognizing that you can play with your kids, you, it just different people have different ways of playing for moms and for kids. And so finding those ways that, that feels like play to you and that feels like play with, to your kids, that's where the magic happens. Yeah, that's really good. I feel like I'm probably the kinesthetic one because I'm even, I've said that too. And we talk about it in the motherhood simplified group too. Like people feel bad because they're like, well, I decluttered because I wanted to have more time to play with my kids and I still don't know how to play with them. And when I think yeah. that I play or connect with my kids, it's almost always some gross motor activity, like walking outside, riding bikes. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I'm going to warn you, Krista, and all of your listeners, all of your declutter super mobs, yeah. is that one of the play personalities is a collector. Oh, interesting. Where collecting things feels yes. like play and talking about their collections and comparing collections. So that oh, is a real challenge. <laughs> okay. I just talked about this too, because I was like, I made a, a post or maybe I, it was either a post or an email or something where I was like, you don't have to collect all of the, the toy. Like you don't have to collect, like if it's a set, like a little people set, like you don't have to collect all of the set. And maybe <laughs> some people do. <laughs> I mean, it is how for some people, right? Most people yeah. have more than one play personality. So you can say, well, let's have a collection of photos. <laughs> So maybe right. you can, you know, make collect something that doesn't take a lot of space. But I just think that's I'm just so glad nobody in my house is a collector because that would drive me off. Yeah. I have one, I think, who is actually like two kids who one of them I think is because we moved and so he was holding on to things and then my four year old, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's her. Is Mm -hmm. the one who was making that face when you were trying to get rid of stuff like yes. Yes. get rid of my thing yes her <laughs> <laughs> it's her and we talked about on the episode when I was on your show about like walking through the grocery store um you know oh right the toy and, store yeah uh, and you have mm -hmm. one kid who's like okay that was enough I can leave it and then you have another one who's like oh now we're invested I in this and this is, mine. I have bonded now. <laughs> yeah. This is mine and it will always be mine. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Um, but very helpful. That's very helpful too, for the motivation. Um, I think this is a good way to wrap it up and then we can talk about where people can find you. Um, when I was trying to motivate my daughter to get into the things that I know ultimately she needed, um, I can look back in hindsight and and see what I did wrong and then how we ultimately arrived to a place that worked was that I I knew that she needed to do something and we talked to her about the benefits of like getting out into the world meeting people we know it's mm. scary we know it's it's overwhelming all of these things and um kind of taking the approach with her of like well maybe you don't like soccer but once you try it, I know you'll love it. And like in hindsight, even before we recorded this, I can look back at that and be like, I don't, I don't think she would have loved it. I think she would have done it, but mm -hmm. I don't think she would have loved it the way that she loves um, the things that she does now. Art, um, you know, student council, yearbook stuff that's more creative yeah. and collaborative creative. versus mm -hmm. competitive. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully people listening to this can kind of take this and run with it and figure out some new ways to 
both advocate for your kids, right? Because I think as parents, that's what we have to do. We have to advocate for them. We have to tell them, like, here's, I, I see this gap in your life right now. And I, and we, I have a responsibility to help you fill it, but maybe do it in a way that speaks their language. Right. We always want our kids, I always think of it as like living on the edge of your comfort zone. You know, you don't want to, it's like, you don't want to just throw them to the wolves, right? And like where everything is uncomfortable, but we're always trying to encourage them to try something new, you know, explore, see what else is out there. It's, you know, it's, it's a growth zone. And that's why kids grow so much so fast. And as parents, we need to do that too. We always seem to be wanting to live on the edge of our comfort zone, push ourselves outside so that of, of what's you know, it's comfortable for us because our kids are watching and we are their greatest role model, right? Kids learn by imitation. So when we're like trying something new and it's scary and, you know, like starting a podcast or something you're like, ah, like they're watching you be scared and do it anyways. Like that's the really powerful role modeling there too. Yes. Yes. This was such a good conversation. Um, and I want to let everybody know where they can find more from you. I know you have a couple different things. You've got, you know, a, a couple different right. courses. Um, so yeah, let us know about those and where we can find you. So it, I always offer a free discovery coaching call for every, anybody who's interested because uh, most people haven't worked with Life Coach before. They don't really know what it's like. And it's just kind of like a great way to, to you know, experience it. So I like to offer a free discovery call to your listeners. Uh, so they can find that at lifecoachingforparents.com. Um, like I said, I, I also teach a, a sex education class for parents to take with their nine to 12 year old. And that's online. And that's at timeforthechalk.com. And then if they've got teens who are struggling, um, like the situation your daughter was in, like that's a very common one post COVID. And I've had a lot of moms coming with teenagers kind of like in that state of like, you know, how do I get her out of the house? How do I get her to meet new friends? Like she's at this age where she needs to be doing that herself. Like, you know, kids stop, uh, parents used to arrange the play dates and the get togethers. And then it shifts where now the kids have to do it. And that's kind of a rough transition. So the leading your teen class is also, um, something I offer as well as a one-on-one coaching program for um, parents raising teens and learning how to love more, care less. Yay. Yes. So many options. And of course the super mom is getting tired podcast. They can also listen to that. So I will, um, I'll, I'll send you a link or a PDF of the play personality. So you can post it in your Facebook group. If you want to, and people can identify what are theirs, what are their kids. And then it just, it's just so clarifying, you know, cause it just helps you be like, oh, they're, so they're not a competitor. Cause we just kind of assume people uh, enjoy life the way we enjoy life. And that what's fun for us is going to be fun for our kids, mm-hmm. you know? So when you can realize like, oh, they experience fun in a different way, then it's so much more helpful. You know, yeah. my, the first day of spring break, my son like read a book about world war ii or something i was like good lord that sounds awful like it's spring break he's like it was fabulous i'm like really like <laughs> just a different play personality than me so yeah you gotta root to me help. i'm like so boring <laughs> oh that's what you just spent the semester learning about now you're gonna read it for fun he's like yep I'm like, oh my God, you're a nerd. <laughs> like, I'll be on the lake. <laughs> so funny. I love it. Well, thank you so much for spending this time here with us. This was a really helpful episode and I'm excited for everyone to 
yeah, find you and learn more with you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Krista. Yeah. Hey, before you go, I have a question to ask you. Would you please leave me a five-star review if you are listening on iTunes? It helps me grow my show and reach more moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. If you love the show, I would love it if you shared something specific that you find valuable or helpful or that you just enjoy about listening to this show. It would mean the world to me if you took time out of your day to do that. And while you're at it, Head over to motherhoodsimplified.com to listen to more podcast episodes or check out our Facebook group, Instagram, just to connect on social media. If you love these episodes and if you love this show, please tag me. I love to connect with you over there. Podcasts are kind of like a one-way conversation where I feel like I'm talking to you and with you. But when you tag me on social media, I feel like we can take that one step further and actually connect with each other, which is the whole point of me starting this podcast and community in the first place is to be able to connect with moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. So tag me in your Instagram stories. I'm motherhood underscore simplified. Check out the motherhood simplified Facebook group or head over to the site and just find even more blogs, podcasts, decluttering courses to help you continue on your decluttering journey. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to you soon.